365 days a year. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and I and Duver and I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing offer competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. So Neil, last week we were talking about your need for a haircut or lack thereof. Did you did you sneak it in before this latest round of lockdowns? I did not. Uh, so I'm going to have to get a, uh, a rubber band or something. Uh, what are they called? A <laughs> snuggie or something? <laughs> a scrunchie. You want a scrunchie? Uh, I'm going to need a scrunchie. <laughs> Well, we are thrilled to have a guest today so that we don't have to talk about Neil's hair for the whole hour. <laughs> we have uh, John Troxel, who's the owner of Verdict Resources, a forensic and litigation support services firm out of Camarillo. John, thank you so much for being with us today. It's great to be here. And uh, Neil, I would recommend a Floby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to do, uh, as we usually do in the first segment, uh, some articles. And, you know, we've talked about uh, corporations being caught in a bind between the Milton Friedman view that a corporation needs to maximize shareholder value as its primary goal, and more and more uh, pressure that is being applied on them to do things that are that are right for the environment, whether it's sustainability or uh uh, uh, health issues. And um, there was, again, we talked about this before, around a business roundtable commitment a year ago to, to do something, but nothing really has been done. And an article in today's Wall Street Journal sort of a, gives a suggestion about how maybe to move this along. And it was written by two finance professors. And what they said is that uh, it would be, uh, an, which, which they suggest is, is an idea, is that um, a company would create a statement uh, of purpose beyond profitability, and they would clarify what the objectives were. Uh, that is, they would say, we're willing to sacrifice certain amount of return on equity to benefit our stakeholders, our employees, or decarbonize, or whatever it is that they uh, felt was uh, in the best interest of society as opposed to just shareholders. And then the shareholders would vote on that. And every three years they would vote on a either reaffirmation of that policy or a new policy. And so it would take uh, corporations, uh, corporation executives off the hook for sacrificing what right now is the mantra, corporate profits are paramount, and it would give them the ability to satisfy some of societal needs. And it seems to me that that's a, a really interesting, pretty simple suggestion. Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting because when they made that announcement um, last year about, you know, doing more than just for shareholder profits, it was hard to take that as being, you know, 
true because they ha- they're basically their jobs are on the line when it comes to, to shareholder profits. And so it's hard to imagine that they're going to work out of not the best interests of the shareholders and themselves, but rather for the greater good of society. Um, and speaking of looking at uh, what is good for society, the front page of the Saturday business section in the New York Times uh, talks about a company that started during the pandemic uh, in uh, Japan. Uh, what made this unique is that the company started 1,000 years ago. Uh, it was started during a pandemic uh, 1,000 years ago in Japan, and it has survived through this with the same family ownership the entire time. And the article goes on to, to talk about other companies in Japan that have had, if not a thousand year history, 200, 300, 400 years. And the reason this article I think is worth talking about, first of all, it sort of ties in a little bit to the one we just had, but also it, it is about longevity and doing things right for the long term. And a lot of the decision-making that takes place with corporate America today is based upon quarterly or certainly annual results that may sacrifice uh, long-term growth and so, uh, or long-term sustainability. And so here we have companies that you know, didn't shirk from responsibility to reinvest, to do the right thing, to stay focused on their basic business, not just follow the new trends. And they existed for, you know, in many cases, hundreds and hundreds of years. And in this particular case, a thousand years. Wow, that is something because corporate America today basically is quarterly driven by quarterly earnings. And it, it creates a real problem when you when you look for long term change or systemic change that takes more than 90 days to to see the results from. Now, the next article actually may have some actual relevance to people. <laughs> the first two are sort of just kind of intellectually interesting. And this is entitled, this is from the Weekend Wall Street Journal this weekend. Time is running out how to fix your remote work tax mess. And um, some people may not realize that if you're working at home and your home happens to be in a different state than your office is, you can end up being taxed in both places, certainly at the higher rate, wherever the city is or country uh, county is that you work, if it's higher than where your uh, business is, you can get hit uh, with a higher tax. And so uh, what the article is uh, focused on is, first of all, that it suggests that anyone that's working out of their home should make sure they understand the rules of their state. Uh, and uh one of the ways to avoid the, the domicile issue, and what domicile issue means is that you're taxed based on where the state says your official residence is. And so they look at voting, they look at uh, uh, where your primary residence is, they, they look at obvious things uh, that um, is very difficult to wiggle out of. So what they suggest is a way of sort of solidifying your position if your employer has an office in the state in which your weekend house is or wherever it is that you're uh, working out of during the pandemic, you ask your company to uh, say that you uh, changed your address to work in a different office than the office that you're working in. And that could give you some cover. Um, and so and there's a whole bunch of other lists of things. And, you know, I have the, the, to say, I've got to imagine that this is more relevant for people who do not live in California, which tends to be the 
highest taxed state in terms of income tax. Whereas in New England, for instance, where the states are so much closer together, it's quite possible that you live in Rhode Island, but you work in Boston. And, and this is exactly what happens. I, I know that there are a bunch of people that live in California, yet make sure that they spend six months on vacation someplace else to avoid paying income tax here in, in, in California in our rates. But it, it's, it's harder when you, when you work someplace else, I think, in the state of California, unless you're on that, the state lines. Um, well, it's a couple not that of it's not a great article, Neil. It is. But. Well, I'm very insulted now that you didn't like the article. But, uh, you know, the reality is that um, there um, are people all over the world listening to this show. I'm, I don't know if you're aware, but this show is streamed live on the World Wide Web. I am aware. I so know. And it may, it's also podcasted. So it's it's relevant to all of our listeners. Right. It's just because you live in a high tax state doesn't mean it's not relevant to someone living in a state that uh, doesn't provide social services and therefore doesn't have taxes. Uh, no. So the next article is by our favorite author, uh, uh, Jason, Schwag. Jason Schwag from the Wall Street Journal. And this is a funny article from this weekend's Wall Street Journal. What he did, he, he decided to test out Robinhood investing. So he took $100 from his uh, from his from the Wall Street Journal and uh, opened up an account and started trading like a 20-year-old would trade. That is, he basically just mechanically bought stocks that were up at least 30%. Um, and uh, once they moved at least 50%, uh, he bought even more. And uh, he did the opposite when stocks were going down. And he did this like 10, 15 times a day. And he said he really, really got into it. And uh, well, here's the results. At the end of the day, uh, he was uh, down 5%. Um, uh, uh, and the, the S&P was up 7%. <laughs> So, you know, he said he had a lot of fun and it was like gambling, but uh, following just the sort of <clears throat> rules that, you know, he was making fun of, has been making fun of in recent articles didn't seem to work for him. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSP and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. 
Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290 or moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of John Troxell, who is one of the founders of Verdict Resources down in Camarillo um, with us today. John, how are you? I'm great. Great. Great to be here. Thanks. Good. Well, we're thrilled to have you. So what, tell us about yourself, about you. How did you get involved in um, the PI world and private investigating and, and all of, all of that? Well, years ago, I I graduated uh, from college with an effort to work in environmental type um, work, right? So I was, yeah. So it was specifically GIS, Geographic Information Systems. I was working for the Forest Service uh, as a contractor up in Northern California. And my father, who headed up the Environmental Crimes Unit for the County of Ventura, started this company in 96. And it was really all focused on helping to identify liability on contaminated sites. Um, somebody's on the hook to pay for, for whenever a site's found to have any kind of contamination like petroleum or chlorinated solvents or whatever. So in 97, I came to, to work for him. And uh, for about the next three or four years, that's all we did was all over the country take big cases involving a lot of the big type petro or chemical type companies you've heard of um, to help them, uh, I guess, find other ways to pay for their cleanup costs by bringing in local contributors. Um, well, about 2000, a lot of the environmental issues started to, or, or, or sites started to kind of get all mitigated and and that market sort of dried up for us. So we diversified by having a more um, uh, varied sort of an offering to local attorneys. And then I have a background working with computers, Unix boxes and stuff back in the in the 90s. Um, so that allowed me to pivot as well. In about 93, I started doing computer forensics, um, which I spend a lot of my time doing right now. So is your dad still in the business with you? We're counting the days. He he's looking to pull the plug. Yeah, <laughs> I should say he's counting the days. Now, is nice he counting the days, or are you counting <laughs> the days, John? <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> you know, th- there's a story on the web that I saw an hour ago, which is the EPA decided to not take the scientists' uh, uh, recommendation and uh, uh, not. Uh, change the rules regarding uh, industrial dust 
that uh, and that's and they said because it would hurt business. You know, it's just so interesting how the politics uh, of what would be a scientific no-brainer really does, uh, you know, change with with different you know political outlooks. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It shouldn't well, be that. You know, but it, it is. Would, yeah, it probably hurt your business. You're probably better off with a, a more liberal administration. There'd be more people who would get into trouble for polluting. <laughs> You'd think, but actually, <laughs> most of the stuff we do is historical in nature. So we're talking stuff that happened pre 1960s, probably. So, so you pivoted from that, um, from more of that environmental side of things, into now really being a comprehensive. Uh, a company that deals helps helps attorneys in their casework to identify fraud in, in some way, right? Yeah, all, all of our investigative work is is for attorneys, and not necessarily just to to identify fraud, but um, so we'll we'll work a lot for family law attorneys. Um, uh, with computer forensics is helping to identify information on computers that show maybe hidden assets or inappropriate communications or stuff like that. We work a lot for employment lawyers um, and uh, that will be maybe trying to find out if, uh, if an employee is doing something inappropriate or if he, if he, when he left and he started a competing company, he, he took over proprietary to information as well. And I guess you could all, they could be all under the category of fraud. <laughs> so now do you, do you take individual clients or is it, is it only through attorneys that people can retain your services? I really try to get them to hire me through their lawyers. Um, for one thing, if uh, lawyers know what we need, whereas if we're, uh, it's an individual that wants us to do something, a lot of times that's not a, something that's really useful to their case. It might scratch an itch, but it doesn't have any substantive value. So attorneys know what, what's going to be useful or not. So I like taking matching orders from them. Plus, um, I sort of like being one layer removed from the problem. So I don't have to hear about somebody who's emotionally invested and, and has this you know, angst about it that they want to talk about. So it's nicer having that buffer. <laughs> For sure. So now when, when you think about surveillance, surveillance, you know, in a private investigator, you know, I, I can't help but to think about Perry Mason. And so what do you, which may, might make me feel old, but um, what, what do you do that's Perry Mason-esque, but also where, where has that business kind of, kind of come through the years? I'm like Paul Drake on Perry Mason. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm his guy, man. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll often look at uh, employees who like like I have a person who who um, said that that told his employer that they're concerned about COVID, so they can't get back to work. So I put a couple guys on him to surveil him, and we found that he's actually out doing um, independent work on his own. Um, so surveillance does have a place. I mean, it can be expensive because you're just out there burning hours, but sometimes it's the only way to get a, get a picture or video of them doing something that, that is valuable for the client to know. Right. And so how often are you in that type of situation where surveillance becomes the number one thing? For instance, you know, how much is, is an employer willing to spend to find the employee doing something like that? 
you know what? I, I've, I've typically found that they're willing to go about 5,000 bucks. And then after about that, they're, they're like, never mind. We'll figure out another way to, to proceed. Um, and is it usually with an employee that they've already identified as a problem or that they want to get rid of? And they're now just trying to find evidence to justify their, their feeling. Well, now that's, that's more of the, the lawyer side of things. So the, they'll, they'll, they'll identify with the lawyer, what do we need and for what reason, but we're never a part of that discussion. So mm -hmm. it'll be like an employment law attorney, attorney calling me and say, Hey, three days of surveillance, two guys on this person, let's see what they do. Get us notes on everything from when they wake up to when they go to bed. So I remember talking to a detective uh, agency years ago when I was in New York and I was concerned about the behavior of one of our employees. And I said, uh, what do you think? And he said, let me, since you're recommended to me by a good friend, uh, a good client of ours, who's your friend, my view is that 98% of the time, if you suspect someone of doing something wrong, they're doing something wrong. <laughs> so you can save your money. It's it's not going to make it, it it's, it, it, you're not going to discover something that you didn't suspect, you know, whether that's matrimonial or whether it's a dishonesty at the workplace, but the sort of a cynical view. Is that, does that have any truth to it? He's like, does that cynical view, do you share it? <laughs> <laughs> well, on the matrimonial part of it, I bet it's higher than 98%. <laughs> I mean, really, if something doesn't pass the smell test, but in California, what does it matter? Right. I mean, it's a no fault state, but with but on the employment law sort of side of things it's nowhere near close to 98 percent. a lot of times we'll find the employee will just be holed up at ha at their house and not doing a darn thing of course you can't predict either right you just don't know when they're going to do what, the, what they're going to do so now how has your business been affected by covid well march stunk um but march march kind of felt to me like it was how we were figuring out how to move forward Right. But, yeah, it was definitely an inflection point for sure. Yeah, it, it, especially for our business. I mean, we 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 took a pretty good hit. Um, and I tell you what, since May we were back to normal, and then towards the end of the year, we're we've seen an uptick. That's good. So you're now listening, you're listening to Money Talk on AM twelve ninety KZSB, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. The Mental Wellness Center invites you to the 26th Annual Mental Health Arts Festival. And this year, it's a virtual celebration. Don't miss this opportunity to honor the power of creative expression. Here's Anne-Marie Cameron. The paradox of this event is it's not about mental health. It's about being an artist. And I think people forget that being an artist is something that people don't choose. It's in them and their expression is how they cope with things in life. 
One of the things I particularly love is when you do have a great conversation with an artist, it's usually about what fuels their artistic expression. It has very little to do with their mental health. Some others might say that their depression or their anxiety is, is a part of their artistic expression. The truth is, is that this event is a celebration about the role of an artist in our community. To see the work of the featured artists and to learn more about the Mental Health Arts Festival, go to mentalwellnesscenter.org or call 805-884-8440. Community Alert, a positive preparation for disaster. It's designed to keep you informed about how to be prepared, not if but when disaster strikes. Community Alert is heard Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 1290, the Santa Barbara News Press radio station. Community Alert, not if, but when disaster strikes. Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, John, you're always such a great storyteller. Tell us what you're working on right now. Um, well, right now, I'm finishing up, actually, something that doesn't come across my desk very often, and that's a murder investigation. Um, yeah, this, this guy... This is very Perry Mason-esque. <laughs> Um, yeah, except the guy's representing himself. Oh. Um, so this guy got convicted of, uh, of killing his girlfriend who was married, um, at the time going through a divorce, uh, back in Oh one. Um, but when, when the, when the killing happened, he left the country, he just went to Europe. Then they ended up getting him in, uh, Oh nine or 2010, somewhere, somewhere along those lines they caught him in australia extradited him stood trial guilty um well he's become a pretty effective jailhouse lawyer so he was able to get a retrial based on ineffective counsel so he hired me uh to look at the victim's computer which was a windows 95 box um, with a 10 gigabyte hard drive and he was sure that there was going to be some evidence that was going to show that her husband who was stationed in Arkansas at the time of the murder um, was actually the one who did it. He would find something. And we had this old Nokia candy bar style cell phone with the rubber numbers. Remember those? Right. Huh? We analyzed both devices and found Zippo, not a. Oh, wow. That, that is interesting. So now how does that work? He just calls you from, from his jail? Uh, he hired me. So, so there's an, another person who's working on the case and they needed this specific computer forensics expertise. So they engage us on that. Interesting. But so is the, is, is the, the world changing? So it's more and more difficult to do forensic uh, uh, work on a computer. Are there more protections and more sophisticated software making your job more difficult? You know what? Apple's, I mean, they are awesome to work on, but they are just getting more and more difficult. And with the new operating system, APFS, the new T2 chip, a lot of them are, are we're finding they have whole disk encryption engaged, their file vault too. It, it's just tougher. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, you had that guy out in San Bernardino who was a terrorist and yeah, shot. The, they had the iPhone. 
and they yeah. well that's that same sort of method or 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 philosophy that they have for their iPhones is moving into the computers. So if it's been deleted, it's unlikely we're going to be able to get it back. Unlike a Windows machine where we can get everything back, you know, time time being a consideration. But I my my running joke is get an Apple, but make sure that all your employees have Windows. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think that that's why corporate America has really embraced that Windows operating system and much more PC um, focused as, a port, as opposed to the Apple or Macintosh products? I doubt it. Corporate America doesn't seem to be proactive at all to me. <laughs> they, I, from a security standpoint, they, I, I don't think so. Um, it, but I, I do think it's kind of a forward thinking uh, methodology on Apple's part. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems like it, it like it is. So, um, so now in terms of cybersecurity, your firm does do a lot of cyber work too. What does that entail? And you know, as a business owner myself, you go to conferences, or we used to pre-pandemic, and it used to be one of the courses where they'd scare you into thinking all of your data is at risk. Help help um, dispel or maybe maybe not dispel the myth of of really you know everything's out there and people are trying to get it all the time. You know I love the dark web. They always bring up the dark web. I'm like, what is the dark web? Well, well, it is, it's really not a myth. Um, there there is a lot of of uh, efforts being, especially on people overseas that are are being employed to try and dig into people's computers, their systems. Um, I had a friend of mine who had seven offices and at 6.45 on a Monday morning, he was called up. He had a voicemail from a guy with a thick Russian accent saying that they just took his system down and he'll, they'll let it, um, they'll give it back to him for $500,000 in Bitcoin. So all seven of his offices, all of his computers were, were shut down. They were, they were encrypted all of his backup systems, everything, all access to, to everything he could have needed to conduct business were, were done. So luckily he had cyber liability insurance. So, so he, he paid 20,000 bucks for that add-on to his policy last year and ended up paying $5,000 deductible. And the insurance company sent in a forensics team and a negotiator and they talked the Russians down to 219,000 bucks and were able to get that thing um, resolved. But it's still, I mean, even now it's still kind of a, a pain in the in the rear trying to get everything back to, to normal and keep it secure. And how do you how do you keep up with continuing education? I, you must need to continually look uh, take courses and read stuff because things are changing so rapidly. Well, my expertise uh, is specifically on on uh, doing computer forensics analysis. Uh, but I have a partner that does the the cyber cyber security uh, end of things, and and he's the one that's able to to look at intrusion detection and to secure networks and do penetration testing and all all the stuff to make sure that that your data is is safe. And so now, is that a service that your firm provides where you would you would do the um, kind of be the cyber security for a company or? Are you just there to, to identify risks or potential um, penetration points, and then you turn that over to the client and they get uh, a firm to figure it out or protect it, I guess? 
You know, funny you should ask, Diane, that we, we, we've just been doing the, the identification part of things up until now. Um, but the person I'm partnering with, and starting in January, we're going to have a cyber liability, or I'm sorry, a cybersecurity firm uh, with specific emphasis on people with wealth management and CPA firms. They have specific types of data they have, the, and, and they're mandated by certain governing bodies um, with which we're familiar we being my guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of an exciting thing that we're, we're really looking forward to deploying here in a few weeks. Well, and it's much needed, you know, the, the amount of sensitive data that firms like mine manage, it's very important to us. Um, and, and again, in these, in these um, conferences, it couldn't be emphasized any stronger that, you know, a security breach, a cybersecurity breach could be something that puts you out of business. Yeah, and then there's, I mean, there's the obligation that you would have to tell everybody mm -hmm. that you do business with that their data has just been compromised, right? Exactly, yeah. So, it, it, and, and that I think is ultimately what puts people out of business, you know, that so, whole. So, so what about the old vanilla business? You know, employees, uh, uh, employers need to do a background check on their new com coming in employees. Is that something you do? Yeah, um, we have a... a a pre-employment screening service that we offered to our clients. Um, so that, that really gave a lot of our clients are employment law attorneys and they were sending a lot of their clients to us to, to, to do that kind of stuff, which we didn't do before. But in the last 10 years, it's turned into a, a, a real um, significant part of our business. So where we're, we're helping to screen potential employees, candidates, uh, for folks. So they, we have a way that, that they can send us check off boxes, a la carte, what they want to check, or they can send their applicant to our website and he can, they can enter in their, their information there and do the e-signing and authorize. And, and then they get the report a few days later. So it's, it's pretty handy. And, and how often, you know, in background check, in the background check world, how often are people who are actually going to your website, inputting their data, actually coming back with something that's a red flag? Well, by red flag, it's, it's any court filing that we'll, we'll find, right? Mm -hmm. So if they have a DUI or, or it's something like that uh, in the last seven years, and maybe 20% of the time, we'll, we'll have something come back where it's considered a red flag. Whether or not it's, a, it's important to the, the employer is another question, but we, we flag it as something to pay attention to or to have a discussion with the candidate on. Right. So you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you, A, put yourself in her shoes, how could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. 
How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hospice of Santa Barbara is there to help when we're adjusting to living with a life-threatening illness, facing death, anticipating the death of a loved one, or healing our grief after a death. Hospice of Santa Barbara can provide the emotional, social, and spiritual care needed in a supportive, compassionate environment. Hospice of Santa Barbara provides professional counseling for individuals and has many support groups and programs for adults, teens, and children. Services are free, made possible by our community's generosity and by all of the highly trained, wonderful volunteers that give her their time to help those in need. If you would like to make a donation, become a volunteer, or support the important work of Hospice of Santa Barbara, or find out more about hospice services for you or someone you love, please call 563-8820, 563-8820, or visit our website at www.hospiceofsantabarbara.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology. Mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks could only dream about. So John, as we look at, you know, as you look back at the last eight months where many employees have been working from home, are you, are you sensing or seeing that there's a rise in employers needing your services, not only for um, potentially employee misconduct, but also for cybersecurity as we're all no longer on our, on our, you know, centralized business um, computer lines, but rather. Yeah, Diane Froese, what I think she is getting at is what happens when you have someone on a, on a, their own personal computer that they're getting uh, information from that really was on the mainframe of the company. How does the company protect themselves? Because information now is being dispersed among, you know, uh, zillions of different individual PCs all over the world. You know, a lot of companies uh, have managed IT services firms that, that work for them, and they have protocols in place that can zip those things up nice and tight for them. Um, and I know that's been a common thing that comes up pretty frequently. It doesn't really hit us, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that, that outer sphere of, of hearing the, the conversations going on quite a bit. And so I think I froze earlier, but with the rise in COVID, do you see um, a caseload increase due to employees not working from, from a centralized location and potentially at more, at their data is at more risk or, you know, for cyber, cyber fraud or bullying or whatever we're calling it? Actually, no. What, what I, the, the, the uptick that I've noticed is work for my clients who are um, litigators that seems to be where, where um, I've been getting a, most of my emails lately is from folks that are involved in litigation because they need a background check or an asset check or somebody followed in anticipation of the litigation. So 
it, it's it's interesting. I don't I don't know why sometimes, and I'm sure you get tied to the market where sometimes I have people that are really on the proactive things that are hiring me, and sometimes on the more reactive side of things that are hiring me. And this one's on the more proactive. So, so it's it's typically so, so, mergers and acquisitions. So when one firm is looking to acquire another, they run like a background check on the on the company itself. You know that 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 is a is an instance where we'll do it, or they'll they'll background a board member, the board members, uh, mm-hmm. which is a different breed of cat than just doing a, a you know a simple employee uh, verification, um, pre screening kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the specific works related to to COVID, I'm I guess I just haven't tracked it to see a big difference in COVID versus pre-COVID times. So one of the things we like to ask our guests that run businesses uh, in this area is is a combination question. You know, how uh, is it to run a national business out of a small community, and how is it to work with your family? Uh, how is it to, to, to work with your dad? I mean, those two things are kind of unique and you're still able to, I guess, still have, if there wasn't for COVID, thank, a Christmas dinner together. Uh, what, it, do you have any sort of advice for people that are thinking about going into business with a, with, with a family member? Well, that's a loaded question, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's been, it's been great here for us. We um, have a great relationship. I, we go over, my wife and kid and I go over for Sunday dinner every week to, to eat at my folks' house. And my, my parents are just down the hall. My mom does the books. So we spend quite a bit of time together and it's worked out really, really nicely. Um, but I think, I think we have the personalities for that. There's just not a whole lot of friction here. I don't know that it's workable for everybody, but, but it's been pretty nice. And, and what about being in a, in a smaller community? Uh, do you find that uh, you're able to compete with, you know, big city firms? Yes, we have um, a, a big city product at small city type prices um, and offerings. And really, um, once people get to know us, we get where we're, it's almost an instant engagement because we've been around a while. We're pretty good at what we do. Um, when we were most specialized in the environmental side of things, we had we had clients in Canada, in on the East Coast. They were just all over because we were highly specialized. And on the computer forensic side of things, that's that's still fairly specialized. I, I there's not too many people in Santa Barbara County or Ventura County do what I do. Um, so so that's pretty nice. And when there's a need in a distant place, that's it's it's pretty easy for me to to get work done as well. So um, what I find from a, so that, so from small city to nationals, not, not that big a deal. It's like from Camarillo to Orange County to, to, you know, to those like metropolitan areas down South, we seem like Mayberry up here. Um, <laughs> just a lot different, but it, it you know, we got a, a, a pretty good, a good amount of clients down South for sure. Do, do, does it help to have such a large proportion of the workforce related to education, you know, UCSB, uh, Cal State, CI? I mean, do you have re- do you have the ability to tap into that uh, uh, labor pool? No, no, I, I no. So, so it's not so much the labor pool, but it, it that's where the potential engagements are. 
So it, it seems that where we have, like in Santa Barbara, it's nice because there's like a lot of high tech type stuff going on there. So they're proactive in the, um, in the hiring process and then trying to keep things, um, you know, ship shape in Bristol fashion, so to speak. Um, but also being around, around places where people are a little more along the cutting edge, they understand what we do. They understand the need for computer forensics work. Um, whereas a lot of times we're trying to educate people on, you know, what we can get off their cell phones, off their, their hard drives, whatever. And so, John, how big is your firm? How many people do you have working with you? Um, so in terms of, I, I have probably employee. employee, yeah, there's just three of us here. Uh, but the, and I, I, I hesitate to, 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 to say things in, a, in this climate of who is a employee versus a subcontractor, <laughs> right? Um, but I've got, I've got a, a pretty good amount of hired guns that I have engaged on pretty specialized areas, like people that are good with Max, right? Max is a different breed of cat, like I said. So I got guys that are really good at that or people that are good at cell phones or uh, surveillance or whatever. So I, I call them my, my hired guns. Yeah, we had Jen Duffy on the show as a guest as well. And, and we're now concerned. We don't know what to call them, either employees, independent contractors. You don't want to get yourself into trouble. Wow. <laughs> as long as they don't drive people around their cars after work, you're okay. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB. And believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. The NLS Braille and Audio Reading Download Service gives patrons with visual impairments or physical limitations the freedom to read their way. BARD is this beautiful web-based program for searching for books and for the ability to download them. It's a great way to have a book with you without carrying a book. For information about the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped Library of Congress, visit loc.gov slash that all may read. 
Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial And if you're just joining us, we have John Troxell, who is the owner of Verdict Resources, the only forensic and litigation private detective and forensic computer case firm in Santa Barbara County and Ventura County. So that's exciting. That's that's saying a lot, John. You're a highly specialized company that's able to really um, take the market that you have and really be the go-to person that the legal community, both here and in Ventura, are really, you know, go to for the, for all of their private um, investigator getting needs. Now, you know, I saw on your website that you also do um, like you serve people various, you know, documents for the court. How does that all fit in? You know, I, I so since all my clients are lawyers, um, they'll often ask me to do things that's not exactly in my wheelhouse but I'll, I'll just want to be all things that I can to, to some of my valued clients. So I'm like, sure, whatever you need, I'll do it. And then I'll figure it out. Right. So I've got a, got a bunch of uh, process servers that are now all over the place that, that handle these. And they're more on the difficult um, service to process end of things. So not the garden variety stuff, but some that may require a stakeout or, or something with a higher level of effort. Right, because most people just accept the service whether they agree with it or not. <laughs> yeah, they're not if they have to they have to pay you to get involved. I'm sure it's a little bit sticky. So yeah. tell us about one of your more fun um, stories of doesn't have to be about process serving, but um, one of your cases that you worked on and and how you resolved it. Um, I had a recent one where there was a sexual harassment matter at a restaurant. Um. And I'm working for the attorney who's representing the restaurant and the their allegations against the manager. So I took the the office computer and I analyzed it, and then the manager's cell phone um, and analyzed it as well. And the manager had pictures of his several of the employees, women waitresses, that were flashing him. So restaurants have cameras everywhere right but they all know where the the employees know where the dead areas are so they so the manager was able to get these these all these pictures taken in these dead areas and boom we've got evidence of the guy being a dirtbag and the 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 attorney was able to make hay out of it um so um a while later my wife and I we go out to eat and we're at a restaurant and a waitress goes by and I'm thinking she looks a little familiar, but I, I couldn't. A little play. too familiar. <laughs> and then a few minutes goes by, and another waitress goes by and go, "Oh, she looks familiar too." And then it dawned on me where I was, <laughs> so I couldn't make eye contact the rest of the the meal. <laughs> and your wife's like, "Honey, what's wrong?" Yeah, I did not tell her what what was going on with that one. <laughs> and so ultimately, did the manager get fired? Yeah, and I think a little more than that, and I'm not sure. See, when when I get involved, I, I get involved for a specific purpose, and I don't hear about a lot of the run-up stuff or a lot of what happens after me. It's just thank you very much, and then on to the next case. Be more interesting if they would kind of give me a debrief on everything at the end. 
Absolutely. So now let's talk a little bit about the cyber um, security that you're moving into with, with one of your um, employees or partners. What is that going to entail? Or are you not ready yet to reveal it to the public? We're semi-ready. Um, we're, we're, uh, so we, we see a need. We see that the, the area is growing. There's a lot more liability out there. And a lot of times that liability is being caused by people at the lowest rung in the, in the, the threshold uh, at businesses. So we have an opportunity, I think, to, to help the public, or at least a specific segment of the, of the public, keep their stuff secure. And that's something that's an interest to us. And we're pretty good at. Yeah, I heard that the, the statistics are somewhat um, incredible in that, you know, it's somebody shopping at uh, using a company computer to shop and they get sent a link and they click on it and that's all it basically takes. It doesn't take much to have, you know, the security of your computers at work become jeopardized. Yeah, or you can look at an email that looks like it's legitimately sent and received and you click on a link um, and what happened to a friend of mine was that the link that our secretary uh, clicked on, it put a piece of code onto her computer and external forces accessed that for several weeks before they, um, they initiated the, the shutdown of the whole system. Yeah. And it can be very detri detrimental to business, not only on the um, financial side, but also on, on the, the data side of things, depending upon your business. And what's um what's the important? Yeah, thing. and well, yeah, and trying to trying to make business happen, trying to make things run. And we're so reliant upon our computers. If we don't have them, then then it sucks, right? You just can't get things done. And that was well. Thank, well, thank you so much, John. Um, hopefully, we'll never need your service. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, wait one quickly. How do people reach you, John? Verdict.net. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Verdict.net. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for being our guest and we'll see you next week. It's 3.30.